Let's say thanks to the worship team for leading us in worship today. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I, I've been leading worship for a long time, and I love how music refreshes and how it soothes. I mean, we all love Christmas music through the, about the second week of December, right? And then after that, we're done with it. But uh, worship can refresh, but it is never as sharp as the Word of God. The Bible says that God's Word is like a two-edged sword, and it cuts to divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So it's, it's wonderful to have music, but we're going to get to the Word today. It's not just a Christmas cantata. It's time for us to, to listen to God's Word and then respond and rejoice in the truth that sets us free. Amen? Amen. Some of you guys are like not sure about amening, but it's okay. At New City Church, we said on week three, we decided it's going to be okay to say amen, all right? Now, the Bible doesn't give us pat answers or simple answers. A, a, a pat answer is to say that there's no truth, and so just do whatever makes you feel good, right? That's kind of the, the, the answer that kind of gets floated around in our culture today. The Bible doesn't always answer our questions in the way that we want it to. Sometimes we bring some questions to the Bible, and it doesn't answer us directly. It says, maybe you aren't even asking the right questions to begin with. So it challenges our assumptions about our lives and about our world. And because of that, it requires almost like our whole person to lean into that wisdom that the Bible gives to us so that we can receive it. Now, today we're going to continue our Wonder series, and we've been talking about the Christmas narrative because the Bible devotes a considerable amount of time to telling us how Jesus' birth came to be, right? Chapters and chapters, which when you're talking about, let's just be honest, when you're talking about an ancient writer and you're talking about costly parchment and having to copy these scrolls just every little bit, scrunch all those letters to make the most out of that paper space. Everything that we see in the Bible, we believe is inspired by God, but it's also there for a specific reason. And so the Christmas story, I believe, is not just a story about peace and tranquility. It's the story of a valiant rescue mission in enemy territory, right? It's the story of clashing kingdoms, of competing narratives about what it means to be great. So, we're going to do this today. We're going to go back to the text with that in mind. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And uh, as we read our text, just as a way of, of bringing our hearts to attention, we're going to stand at attention and we're going to listen to what the text says in Matthew chapter 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born of the king of the Jews, born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you that you're going to speak to every one of us in this place today. It doesn't matter what we have come from. It doesn't matter what we bring to this moment. God, it doesn't even matter if we are prepared for this. This moment has been on your calendar since before we even knew about calendars. Thank you, God, that you have loved each person here. And I believe, God, you'll speak to us today as we open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. High five somebody and then be seated. Today, we're going to talk about these magi. They were rulers from a long way away. They were wealthy. They were learned. They had traveled hundreds or probably thousands of miles on this journey to find the reason for this star that had appeared in the night sky. Now, it's worth noting at the beginning here uh, that these men were not people you would expect to be in the story. See, the Bible gives us a long history of God's dealings with people. It starts not just in the garden with sin, but then it kind of breaks out, as sin breaks out, there's this degeneration and this dehumanization that happens over time. And God had promised that he would deal with sin. And his way of dealing with sin, the Bible brings us back to this really kind of laser focus on a man named Abraham. And he speaks to Abraham and he calls him out of a city named Ur, which was the best name they could come up for cities in those days. Okay? And then Abraham leaves and he says, I'm going to make you my guy and I'm going to be your God. And your descendants are going to number as the sand even though you're already an old guy. And he does that. And then we get the story of Abraham's family, and it becomes Israel. And we see these, these moments where the Bible kind of zooms out and then zooms back in and zooms out. And all along the way, there are these kind of curious people that get inserted into the story. Rahab, the prostitute. Uh, you know, we have, we have people like unexpected folks that, that kind of make their way. Ruth, who wasn't really part of God's people who gets brought in. And I think as we see over and over again, these kind of outsiders get included. We see the heart of God. And in the same way with the Magi, we see some people who ought not be in this story because they're pagan, meaning they are outside of this religion. They are, they're star worshipers by all, you know, by all estimation. It's likely that these guys didn't have a clue about the story of Abraham and God's people. What they saw in the sky was a star and they knew that it was something special, and so they began to seek it out. But they were outsiders to God's plan. They'd never heard of Caleb. They didn't know about Christian radio. They didn't, they'd never been to any good conferences. They weren't down with the Hillsong. They didn't know all about all that stuff. They were outsiders completely, but God included them and gave them a starring role 
if you will, in the Christmas story. And so I've got a few, not just a few, I've got five don'ts for you today. And if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write them down. These are my notes on my don'ts. And so say it like this. Point number one, don't believe that you are outside of God's plan. The Bible says that the whole earth is the Lord's and everyone in it and everything in it. There are no insiders or outsiders when it comes to God's plan. And I would say it like this, as I've said it before, there are no exceptions to God's exceptional love. You see it all throughout the scripture and you see it most pointedly in Jesus' life. There are no exceptions to God's exceptional love. Jesus made a ministry out of welcoming people who thought that they had been disqualified from God's grace and love and he treated them like family. He was in the habit of disregarding boundaries of who is in and who is out. Now, it's so natural for us to do that as people that we like to draw lines and say who is in and who is out. But the bottom line with God is there is no one who is beyond or outside of God's reach. There is no one who is disqualified from God's exceptional love. And that means you today. You might feel like you're a thousand miles away from God, but don't for one second believe that you are counted out. That These men saw something they knew to be beautiful and meaningful and that they pursued it That's something really special about this story. Nobody was there to tell them that they didn't belong. So they just went for it. We have had, (laughs) this is not in my notes, but we have had such a wonderful time uh, being here at Glenbard South High School, okay? The staff here has been amazing, professional. They have have hosted us so well, wonderful. Um, They told us that that we could have a little bit of storage space, which is the best. If you understand what it's like to pack a 24-foot trailer with thousands of pounds of equipment every week, you're like, great. So we could just roll this here. Perfect. They told us, and, and we just, we went for it, all right? And they called me this week, and they're like, uh, they said, actually, they sent me a picture. Like, is this all your stuff? And I was like, uh, yeah. Well, you told us we could have that space, so we went for it. So we'll dial it back a little bit. I love what these guys did here. The Magi, nobody was there to tell them that they were outsiders, that they had no reason to be there. And so they just went for it, and they started seeking. So point number two, don't number two, is don't stay where you are. The Magi must have had some questions about the significance of this star. How is this journey going to end? Where are we going? How long is it going to take? But they didn't have to wait for all of their questions to be answered before they left behind their homeland to seek the Messiah. I just, I want you to think about that. Some of you here are recognizing in your heart, this is one of the things we've hoped for at New City Church, that this would be a place where people who don't have a background in church would love to come. And that something would stir up inside of you and you would, you would actually begin to, 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 uh, to realize some things and to seek some things. And I just want to encourage you today, when you have decided to seek after God, the God who loves you and who knows you, then it's going to require that you leave some things behind. So don't stay where you're at today. I performed a lot of wedding ceremonies of the year, uh, over the years, and there have been a lot of young people who've stood in front of me and said their I do's, and I can tell you that just because you say I do doesn't mean that you can, or even that you will. <laughs> 
It just means that you plan to at that moment, right? I do plan to love you every day. I do plan to. It just applies to this moment. And tomorrow, that couple, and if you're married, tomorrow, you're going to have to say, I do again. What matters is that at that moment, these two people are leaving behind what they have known and who they have been in the past to radically trust their future to one another. That's the moment. That's what matters about that marriage ceremony is because they're saying, I am leaving behind what I was, and I'm saying I do at this moment to who we can become. And then tomorrow I will say I do again, and then tomorrow we'll do that again, and then we'll get in a fight, and I'll think twice about it, and then I'll say it again. It's the leaving behind that matters. What are you waiting on to trust God completely? What's keeping you from pursuing him with your whole life? Let me just tell you, to seek God does not equal certainty. It's a, a life of seeking God is not one of certainty. It's one of trust. It's not one of security in the earthly sense. I would say it's one of hope. So don't get stuck in where you are. Don't even get stuck in what God has called you out of. Does that make sense? Don't get stuck in what God has called you out of. Uh, you know, if you make the decision to pursue God, it's going to mean leaving behind some things, and that can be scary. But when you pursue God, here's what happens. You might just avoid a hundred unseen traps set for you, and you might forsake a hundred lesser loves simply because you are seeking out God. You find yourself bypassing all of these pitfalls and traps that might have been laid in your path because you are after the one who has loved you. A lot of people are like Eve in that they're speaking to something that they should be stepping on instead. <laughs> all right? The serpent comes to Eve and begins to talk to her, and she says, well, first of all, it didn't strike her as odd that the serpent is talking to her, but it was a different time. <laughs> but instead of speaking to it and carrying on a conversation, she should have been stepping on it. We waste time in our lives so often having conversations with things that we know we should simply shut the door on. It might be habits of thinking that have become so much a part of who we are that we're almost insecure to let them go. We're almost threatened when God challenges those unhealthy patterns or unhealthy habits. It might be a cynical, negative attitude that's a comfort to you, but it doesn't come from faith or trust in God. It might be worry that you just have a habit of doing that. It might be a victim mentality that you just put yourself in the place always, I'm always expecting to get stepped on. I'm always expecting to get hurt. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you today, just break up with it. Okay? Unfollow it. Delete the contact from your phone. Stop asking your friends for updates about it. Whatever it is that you are stuck in today, make the decision to break up with it and pursue God. That's the key. God will help you with all the rest. I'm encouraging you to make the decision. Don't stay where you are. Start pursuing God. Number three, don't make the trip alone. It wasn't too long ago that I was out on, I don't do this very often because Jesse is wonderful about looking after Ava, but, you know, dads in the area, you know, every once in a while you have, like, the night where you've got the kid, kids, kid, 
And every, you know, you, are, you yourself are thinking, you're all confident about it, like, I got this, don't worry. But you're thinking, can I really handle this? Will they live? And <laughs> your wife is thinking that too, right? And, and so I was with Ava, and she was, she's entered into a more difficult time, you know, since she's been running around and talking and saying no and calling me Steve. Um, so we, we have had work. So I remember we were out at a restaurant, and she was trying to, I'm trying to entertain her. I'm doing all this stuff. I've got the phone, and I've got this other thing, and I'm trying to get her, keep her from making noise and have a great daddy-daughter moment. And then I, my eyes locked with this guy across the room, and he had a tiny little hat on, and he had his two-year-old, and he was doing the same thing, and we looked at each other. And it was like a bonding moment between these two guys. I was like, you do what you need to do, buddy. You put that small hat on. You speak in a baby voice, whatever you got to do. It was like we were brothers in arms. We were in it together. I love the story of these magi because they roll into town with their whole squad together. There had to be at least one ringleader. It's always how it is. One guy who wanted to go, one guy who wanted to stay, and another who was kind of in between. But somehow they decided to go. The other night, Jesse and I were talking about what to do for dinner. Um, she wanted to go to Portillo's. I wanted pizza. And so we had to compromise, and we went to Portillo's. Because there is always a shot caller somewhere in the relationship, right? <laughs> she said amen. I don't know how these guys got moving, but what's important is they went together. All right? It was never meant to be a solo journey. I love what I see happening here in our nine weeks as New City Church I see people bringing friends and neighbors and family to church. People are inviting others along with them, saying, I, don't, hey, listen, don't be afraid to come to New City Church. It's not even a real church we meet in a high school. You know, it, it, it's cool. You could come. And, 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 and they're walking together every week that we've had our new city groups, we've had more people coming out to our dinner groups, to our learning groups, to our life groups. And so as we enter into the, the next year here in 2019, we're going to start our spring season of small groups. You're going to hear some weeks leading up to it, and we're going to encourage everybody, connect somewhere, because this is not supposed to be a solo journey. This is not supposed to be just uh, you going it alone. It's a risky thing to walk together with people because people are messy, Everybody has junk in their life. Now, Ava is doing a new thing lately where she starts to get embarrassed. And when she's aware maybe that people are looking at her, she will run uh, to me and jump up and bury her head against my chest there. And don't get me wrong, she really likes the attention. She's like a solar eclipse. She wants everybody to notice her but not to look directly at her, okay? So... I think sometimes we're scared to death that when people see us and look directly at us and see who we are, that they're not going to like it. We're scared to death of how they'll respond if they really know us, if they really see under the surface for who we are. But let me encourage you today. This needs to be the place where we love one another. You have no idea what is going on underneath everybody's life. Things are never exactly as they seem. Even in the Bible, we see David as a great king and a, and a writer of some hit songs, right? But then he fails miserably because something is eroding in his life. Job was a righteous man, but his friends thought that he was a sinner because he was suffering. They didn't know what was underneath, that he was really solid. It was that something else was going on behind the scenes. We just don't know what's going on with people. They, things always run deep with people. So don't judge one another. 
Love one another. That's what the Bible says. Your job is not to judge, it's to love. Walk together with people and encourage them. That's why Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily as long as it is still called today so that no one would be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Don't let anybody get a hard heart because of sin. So encourage one another daily. Love one another daily. There's a story that I love about Muhammad Ali. He was on a plane, sitting in the first class seat, and the, the, the flight attendant came up to him and said, we're about to take off. Uh, sir, we, I need you to uh, buckle your seatbelt. And he looked at her and he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said to him, Superman don't need a plane either, so buckle up. <laughs> so there are no supermen and there are no superwomen among us. Everybody needs to walk together. We need one another, so don't make the journey alone. We say all the time here that real life change happens through relationships. Think of the five people in your life whose imprint, whose fingerprints are on your soul for good or for bad. These are the, it's people who make an impact in our lives. And you need the right people around you. We believe that God's image in us is drawn out by others, brought into being through relationship with others. There are parts of you that won't come alive until the right person is there in your life to access it. Until the right friendship is there to bring it to life. There are qualities about God that you won't understand until you see them lived out and expressed through another person near you. The Magi made their journey together, so don't go it alone. Point number four, don't come empty-handed. Think of the spectacle of this moment where this caravan of wealthy rulers pulls into like a backwater town, like a suburb of uh, there in Roman-occupied Palestine, and they're literally unloading treasure to bring into this tiny home. And they're offering it, and then they're falling down in worship. I and mean, what are the neighbors saying, right? <laughs> There's no way, I think, to be indifferent about the good news of God among us. There's no way, as strange as it might seem, the good news that God has sent his son into this broken world, and as we talked about last week, that his greatness is being expressed in the way that he shows preference to the weak and vulnerable. There is no way to really understand that, to truly get your head around it, and then not respond to it. I mean, I just don't see how you can do that. The simple fact about us as human beings, is that we are always delighted to worship and to sacrifice for whatever we love. I might not know you very well, but I could look at your calendar and I could look at your bank account and I could tell you what you love. I could come real close to telling what you value. Now, that doesn't mean that some of you guys are saying, oh, great, now he's going to make me feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel bad in any way. I, I'm actually saying, like, if, if, it's, if it's you're working hard for your family, you're building a future, whatever it might be, if we look at your bank account and we look at your calendar, where you spend your treasure and your time, I guarantee you we can get real close to telling what you really care about. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said it like this, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to follow. The wise men saw the significance of this moment and of this young family, and so they refused to come empty-handed. There was something more here, and this is what I want you to see. There was a mission at stake at this moment. 
When the family had to flee from Herod that we saw at the end of our text, they, they left for Egypt, and that's a long way from Bethlehem. And most scholars believe that they would have stayed for at least four years in Egypt. That's a long time to be away from home. So you have a long journey and a long stay and a poor, poor family. And it's most likely that the cost of the trip was paid for by the gifts that the Magi had brought. I want you to think about that for a minute. God was already preparing for what was going on through the worship and the gift-giving that these wise men felt in their hearts to bring. God had already prepared for this exile into Egypt because it was going to fulfill his word when he said, out of Egypt I brought my son. Think about that. I, I mean, that thing that you are worried about today, God is already working on it. That thing that, that you're concerned about or maybe that you don't even know to be concerned about, God is already working on it. God has a mission in mind. There is a mission at stake for you and for me. Now, in a few moments or in a few minutes, whatever it is, five, ten minutes, we're going to take our first ever, and we don't know, it's our first, could be our first ever, last ever, I don't know, heart for the house offering. And we're saying that this is just a special opportunity to invest in the future of New City Church. Now, I don't know all the challenges that are in front of us as a church. I don't need to worry about them, though, because I know God's already working on it. Right? I, I Really, we don't need to sit around and worry and, and stress and fret because we know that whatever it is, God knows about it, and he might just be providing for it at a moment like this with people who are bringing gifts as worship to the Lord. I believe something about our offerings here. I believe that every dollar has a destiny. God already has a purpose in mind for my gift and for your gift and for every offering that is brought to worship him. Praise the Lord. Think about that. God has already assigned it. He's budgeted it already and said this dollar is going here and this gift is going to go here and this offering is going to go here. And I know in advance, God says, what the need is going to be. So we can praise the Lord together. Some of you guys get all prickly and stiff when we talk about money, but it's okay. Let's praise the Lord together. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler jumped in. He's like, that guy needs help. <laughs> no, it's okay. You can play. It's cool, man. <laughs> we tell him just come up around 11. That's what we tell him. So you guys know it's around 11 whenever he comes up. Point number five, don't stop at the star. These guys were outsiders, and they were strangers to God's people. As we said, they never listened to Moody never been to a Hillsong concert, never read an Andy Stanley book. But they knew stars. That's what they knew, right? And they love stars. So you ask yourself, they, they, don't have, they don't have a book to read. They don't have a person to tell them. How are they going to know? And I would just say, God decides, well, what they know and what they love is star. So I'm going to speak star to them. And he draws them through the star. God speaks star very fluently. <laughs> and he speaks every other language very fluently also. What was special about these guys, though, was not that they saw the star. Was what was special about the Magi was that they didn't stop at the star. If they had bowed down and worshipped the star, we would have never heard of them. Right? 
But they realized that this gift and this thing that had appeared in the night sky that was a delight to them and a curiosity to them that made them come alive, that this was meant to point them beyond the star to something better, to someone better. And when they made that long journey and they found the Christ child, they presented to him themselves their worship, their gifts, their thanksgiving. They didn't stop at the star. God speaks star, but he speaks friend. He speaks physics. He speaks biology. He speaks mountaintop vista. He speaks music. He speaks bike riding. He speaks whatever it is that is your language that makes you come alive. Those, whatever it is, he speaks family. He speaks time together with love. He speaks all of those languages to us. And when we pause and we marvel in this season at the good things that God has given to us, at the kindness of friends or the love of family or the tenderness of a spouse, these are all stars that are meant to bring us to the presence of the living God. We're not supposed to stop and worship the spouse. We're not supposed to stop and worship the family. We're not supposed to stop and worship that. We're supposed to take it as a cue that the good Father is giving good gifts to us to draw us into his presence in worship so that we can love him with our whole hearts. I don't know what your language is or what brought you here today. I don't suppose you probably speak star, but whatever it is that you're speaking, in whatever ways that God has been speaking to you, I would encourage you, don't stop with the star. Our fundamental problem as human beings is not the bad things that we have done. Listen to me here. What's broken inside of us doesn't begin with the bad things that we've done. It's the good things that we have put before God. It's that we have chosen to take God's gifts and we've turned things upside down and we have elevated those things above God. And so my challenge to you today in this Christmas season, don't stop at the star. Don't stop with the gift. Don't stop with the good things. Don't stop with all, don't stop. You can rejoice in them. You can embrace them. You can delight in them because they come from a God who loves you, the God who loves life and who invites you into his presence to worship.